to look at. Um, this area, I guess, of a restoration of New Covenant Christianity. Amen? Who, who wants to see everything that God has for His church? Yeah? It's what Bundaberg needs. It's what this region needs, is to see the church, the people of God. That is the, remember, the church is not a building. It's the people. It's uh, become all that we're meant to be. So, Lord, we want to thank you that you are at work by your spirit and that there is a restoration going on. Lord, that you are drawing hearts, that you are leading us. And, Lord, just as, just as you led the Israelites of old uh, by the Ark of the Covenant, you are leading us by your spirit into, into all your promises, into all your promises, that we would see a restoration of the promises of God manifested in this place, in this region that your name would be glorified, that your name would be uplifted and exalted, Jesus. For when you are lifted up, you will draw people to yourself. And that's our heart, to see you lifted up and exalted, that people would encounter you and be drawn to you, and lives would be changed. Amen? Amen. That, that the uh, drug rate would, would drop, that the, that the suicide rate would drop, that the abuse rate would drop, that the dependency upon uh, substances would drop, that the jobless rate would drop, that we would be a community that is saturated by the presence of God. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. So we're only going to get a certain way today because there's too much to talk about. So there will be part B next week and there may have to be part C because we just need to chew on it. Like a cow has. How many stomachs did we work out? Four? Four stomachs? Like a chow, you know, like a cow needs to chew on it. We need to how's that slice going? Is that nice? <laughs> nice. I saw them on my dining room table last week. Uh, I mean yesterday there was slices everywhere. There was coconut ice. I'm like, oh. Then there was Rocky Road. I'm like, yeah, but I don't really like peanuts. But then there was the lemon slice that Bonnie made as well. I'm like, oh. And there's so many women away that I'm, I'm sure there's going to have to be extras given out for morning tea. Anyway. But I know we're here because we love Jesus. And we are in this place and in agreement because we want to see what he wants to see. Amen. So I use the word covenant rather than testament because it's rich in meaning. And as I've, as I've alluded to before, I don't think in this nation of Australia we truly get what covenant really means because it's not a word that we really use. It's not a word that we kind of throw around very much in our vo vocabulary. Yeah, okay, yeah, that word. You know what I mean? Because, because covenant's not just a contract. It's not just a bit of paper where you sign something, you know, bang, bang, it's like it's all go, um, gone, whether it's buying a piece of real estate or you're doing whatever. Because biblically, it's got a relational element to it. It's not just crossing the, the T's and dotting the I's, but it's got a relational element to it. It speaks of a coming together. It speaks of the promises of God. It speaks of the grace of God. And importantly, it's not just God and a person, but it's God and a people. 
There's a covenant that's not just between God and a person, but it's God and a people, just as God had his covenant with Israel, then his covenant is with us. His covenant is with his church, with the bride of Christ. And, you know, it's, it's one of those areas that I'm passionate about because we live in such an individualistic society. And I don't think we realize how society has made us think so individualistic all the time. But it's about a people. It's always been about the people. And that's why Jesus kept saying stuff like, as you love one another, as I love you, people are going to know. We're not on a light, like we're not a light on a hill by ourselves. We're a, we're a city on a hill. We're a city on a hill. Man, there's more people having their slices. This is, this is really like distracting. But it's God and a people. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous and wonderful light. It's all plural. You, you, you. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. How good is that? It's a totally different mindset when you start to think of other people before yourself. It really is, and it is a battle. Jason was you know, open and honest about battles. I think we've got to be open and honest. It's a, it's a completely different mindset when we start to think about someone else before ourselves. In the marriage yesterday, you know, it's a reminder that now you don't live for yourself, but you live for the other. That's what it is. And that's as the body of Christ, that's what it is. We don't live for ourselves, we live for Jesus. And Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. What does it look like when people start to prefer the other person over ourselves? You know, everyone's standing at the door, holding the door open, waiting for the next person to get in. No, 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 you go. No, 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 you go. No, 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 you go. You go. And everyone else is standing outside going, what are you standing outside for? Well, we're trying to wait for the other person. It's a different mindset. And you know what happens? As you start to live for the benefit of another person, self starts to die. Self starts to die. You actually start to go, you know what? I'm not thinking about myself right now. You know, that's one of the things many, many, many years ago, you know, in the very first church we, we pastored back in Tassie, you know, we used to have, you know, regular dinners, like, you know, fellowship dinners and stuff, and we used to just hang out together and, you know, just do life together, you know. And right then it was like I would, I would go last. I'd go to the table last. And sometimes there wasn't anything left. And there was a little bit of Tim that was going... I was like, die, die, die. Die to self. But there is, you know, there's a little bit of, oh, well, they didn't leave anything. There's nothing. But it was about the other people. It was something that God was doing in my heart and my life. He says, no, no, son, I want you to go last. And I still do. Unless someone shoves a plate under my nose and says, Tim, you need to eat this. Because when we go first, what's really going on in here? Pushing people out of the way. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. 
Get out of the way. It's food. What? Too much self? Honest, being honest? It's exactly what it is, isn't it? I'm only thinking about myself. There's a bit of cream cake over there, and I really want that, so I'm just going to push in, and I'm going to get it. Run. Rosalind's going to run. But we have to go down that path. We have to go down that journey because it's the journey of Jesus and it's part of the restoration of New Covenant Christianity where we love the way that he loved. Is there an amen? So there's three points that I want to get through today and they're very simple points, but they are foundational. We can't get on to the other stuff about what it looks like if we don't go far um, through these first points. True New Testament covenant Christianity is founded upon the love of the Father, poured out through Jesus Christ. It can't be anything else, can it? Look at the ministry of Jesus. Read Paul's letters to the churches. Go back through the book of Acts and you will see the love of the Father. You will see the love of God manifesting in and through people. Amen? We've already alluded this morning, you know, Jesus' words in John 13. A new command. Ooh, we have to take notice because it's, it's a new command. I give you love one another as I have loved you. And that's why we need to look at Jesus because, because Jesus, Jesus is, is the supreme example. Jesus is, Jesus is the model. Jesus is the one we look to. Love one another as I've loved you. So I go into the Word of God and I see how Jesus loved people and He crossed boundaries and He went places where their culture said, you don't go. Just look at the Samaritan woman at the well. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go there. You wouldn't go through Samaria for a start because those guys, they're just half-breds. They, you know, they're not really part of us. And a woman, a woman, at the, no, 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 you don't go anywhere near a woman. And a woman who's committed adultery? Whoa! And yet Jesus crossed all that. And she became an amazing evangelist. She told, went back to her village and he says, let me tell you about this man. He's told me everything. He told me everything that I've done. It was the love of the Father. Love one another as I've loved you. Oh. We read in Ephesians. I've got a fair few bits of Scripture today. Is that all right? Ephesians 3, Paul says to the church in Ephesus, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And I, pray that you, and I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love, and that word is agape, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. We need to comprehend truly the height and the width and the depth and the length of the love of God. You know, we go, oh yeah, love, yeah, yeah, I get that. No, no, we don't. We have to meditate on it. 
We even have to do a daring prayer where we say, Jesus, show me what your love really is like. I want to be a vessel of your love. That's a dangerous prayer right there. Because all of a sudden you start getting undone. That's what happens when you start praying dangerous prayers. You get all messed up. And you get undone. Anyone else have, have, ever happened to them? Oh, praise God, there's a few of us. He just does done. He, he just, just things come undone. Ugh. We look at the book of Acts and we see this love of God. In action. It's the book of Acts. <laughs> love of God was in action. Love is a verb. It's a doing word. And we see it in action as they shared their possessions and goods and they gave to people who was in need. And there was joy. There wasn't like, oh, I had to give that stuff to those people and they're not really, you know, they don't really, you know, like, they're not thankful. Like, why aren't they thankful? <laughs> there was joy. There was joy. So much joy. You know, the joy is infectious. It really is. Do you want to be around people like... Or do you want to be around people that have joy? Not, not, not superficial joy that's like when I'm going through stuff tomorrow that the joy's already gone and again. But the joy that comes out, you know, you just can't be contained. You know, I bought four tyres uh, last week, no, the week before, because, of, well, one tyre was down, and then I got this really bad screw, or this bit of metal in the tyre, and I had to go and get four new tyres. And I just found out just then, I got another screw in, in my brand new tyre. <laughs> you just got to... You just gotta have joy. I I remember when we were at Zion's Hill back in Tassie and we were part of the, the music team and the worship team that night, speaking about car tires. And we and we came out of the evening service and where Zion's Hill is, it's kind of like in um, the least desirable suburb in Launceston. It's the suburb that mostly that really needs Jesus. You know, there's, there's knives and guns and there's drugs and there's all kinds of stuff that happen every night. If you don't hear the police in the suburb every, like each night, there's something is really wrong. So the church is in there and, and, and you know, so we're just worshipping and we're praying and, and you know, and, and stuff. And we come out and I drive away in my car and I'm going, that doesn't feel right. And I get out and I'm going, I've been knifed. And Guy was there. I'm like, guy, help me. <laughs> but then we found out it wasn't just, it was every person who was on the music team that night, their, their, their tire had been slashed. And we were just like, what is going on? And my comment was, well, at least they only slashed one because we could all put the spare on and go home. <laughs> You've got to look at it the right way, don't you? I mean, imagine if they were all four were slashed, you know? We've got to just carry some joy. And I believe that we're in a place that Jesus wants to bring that joy. You know, we, that doesn't mean we're not real. I'm not saying that kind of stuff. But we carry joy. And, they, and His joy is infectious. How did I even get there? The love of God. Sorry, I'm going back to the love of the Father again. This love, 
It says in 1 John 4, verse 18, this love casts out all fear. All fear. Fear of man, fear of your future, fear of not having enough, fear of failure, fear of all this stuff. Every fear is cast out as the love of God is poured into your heart and your life. Amen? Yep. His love casts out all fear. We read in Romans. I love to just be reminded in Romans 8. Because His love not only casts out all fear, but His love keeps us. Did you know that we are safe and secure in the love of God? You are safe and secure in the love of God. It says in Romans 8. Where, where was I going to start? Now, in all these things, in all the stuff that Paul had gone through and he was talking about, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing can, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. We are safe in his love. Amen. Jesus talks about it in John 15 and he says, abide in my love. So not only does his love cast out all fear, not only does his love keep us safe and secure, but also he says, just abide in my love. Just dwell. Just stay there. Just stay. The love of the Father. 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love of the Father has lavished on us that we could be called children of God. And as I always say, go back and look at the story of the prodigal son. If you need to be reminded again how much God loves you, go back and read the story of the prodigal son and you will see a father that was constantly looking out for his son to return. Every day he was looking for his son. And when he saw his son in the distance, he broke all culture and he ran to his son and, and he saw his son restored. His love that sets us free and breaks every chain. Every chain. Every chain. Secondly, the second point this morning is that, it, is that it's a returning and a turning to Jesus in the book of Acts, in chapter 3, we read this. And I can get there. So Peter was preaching, and he dared use that word, repent. Woo! Repent. And turn back. To God. So that your sins will be wiped out. And that seasons or times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus who had been appointed for you as the Messiah. Heaven must receive him until the time of the restoration of all things. Which God spoke about through his holy prophets from the beginning. We are in a time of a returning and a turning to Jesus because Jesus is coming back for a bride that has made herself ready, that is dressed in fine white linen. And the Spirit of God is preparing the bride of Christ for the return of Jesus. And so there is a returning and a turning to Jesus because we can't, it, it, it can't be any other way. The bride made herself ready. 
It's like when you want to, it's like when you get married, you don't turn, turn up in thongs. Well, most people don't turn up in, 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 in thongs and, and bawdies and, and stuff. You know, the bride makes herself ready. And not just on the outside, but, but there's something about the heart. You make yourself ready. You want to commit. You want to become one. You want to be in covenant together. You know, and there's, there's too much lukewarmness and apathy in the church. That's like, oh, yeah, you know, Jesus, yeah, you know. What time is that car race on this afternoon? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, di- uh, dinner tonight. Uh, dinner, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, 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 tomorrow, you want to, you, you know, you want Jesus. Let our hearts would return to Jesus. Jesus. The times are refreshing. Seasons of refreshing would come from the presence of the Lord. I think we're in the beginning of a season of refreshing. Anyone feel that? The weariness and the other stuff just starts to fall off and all of a sudden you start to feel times of refreshing. If you don't feel that, then come up the front next week and just start worshipping because there's just, I can feel it. Come up here, we'll just get in this area together and we'll just worship Jesus. Times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Jesus has to be part of this. This this cannot happen if Jesus is not the center. It can't happen. We can't see a restoration of New Covenant Christianity if Jesus is not the center. He has to be the center. Come on, there's some amens there. Not a theology, not a doctrine, not a denomination, not even a charismatic figure. But Jesus. No, not even a worship band. No. Jesus. Where Jesus is the center, where Jesus is the focus, His love and the unity of the Spirit will just bind people together. Do you remember that little demon? No, actually, you probably wouldn't because, because there's so many different faces. Can I have five people up here just quickly? Just, just quickly. Guy, you'll do you. Just you're standing right there. Deb's already coming up. Ronnie's coming up. That's three. Two more. Nick. Four and Steve, five. Okay. Just bear with me a tick. Jesus has to be the center. Nick, you, you've uh, got long hair like Jesus, so you can be Jesus. You stand in the middle. Yep, there, there we go. <laughs> so he's Jesus, okay? <laughs> now, can we stand at the four points of the axis, north, south, east, and west? Whoops, there goes the microphone. Here you go, Rosalind, just hold that for a minute. Okay, I'm, just take a few steps back from Nick. Keep going, keep going. Okay. You see, Jesus has to be the center. If we truly do experience the love and the unity of the Spirit that Jesus talks about and the glory of God being manifested in unity, Jesus has to be the center. At this point in time, these four people don't really have a close relationship probably look over there and go, oh, look at Deb over there. Like, what was she doing over there? Just take a step. Just take a step. So this is them in their, in their spiritual life. They're going, I just need more of Jesus. I just need more of Jesus. And you know what happens? As you get closer to Jesus, the more of him that you actually see. Because the other stuff, when you're in a distance, if, like if I'm looking at Deb, I can see everything to the left and everything to the right. If someone waves at me, I can see them. Yeah, I can see that, but down the back. But the closer you get to someone, 
all the distractions disappear. You see what happens? So we take another step. They're drawing, Steve, you need to come a bit closer, mate, because you're a bit out there. There we go. <laughs> you see, what starts to happen? As you start getting more and more intim- intimate with Jesus, you start to see him better. Exactly, Ronnie. And then now what's happening in the fellowship between one another? They're starting, now just take one more step, just a, just a little one. Okay. So now not only are you that close, but now you can actually reach out and you, like you can actually start to touch one another and you can touch Jesus. You see what's starting to happen? You can, more Jesus, more. This is what it's meant to be. Not a doctrine, a theology, a denomination, a charismatic figure, a worship band or anything like that, but Jesus is meant to be the center. And as we start, you know, as we come and we, we, we get closer and closer to Him, look at the fellowship that starts to happen. Jesus is the center of the fellowship and all of a sudden they are there for one another. Amen? There you go. Good, thank you. Jesus has to be the center, amen? He has to be. If you're struggling in your... I always say to people, my first thing when I do marriage counseling, I say, they say, you know, the people come and say, we're struggling in our marriage. The first thing I say to them is, how's your relationship with Jesus going? Because often he gets pushed to the side and you start to see the faults in the other person. You start to see all the other stuff. And sometimes you just need to come back to Jesus and go, I, I need more of Jesus. I need to take the, like the log out of my own eye rather than try to deal with the other one. And that's true in any relationship. Because the closer we are to Jesus, the more His love will start to manifest. And we can actually forgive others. And we can go the extra mile. And we can actually stand there and actually know that good triumphs over evil. Jesus has to be the center. He has to be the focus. The principle in John 12 verse 32 is when Jesus is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. It's not just, that wasn't, yes, it was about the cross that Jesus was saying, when I am lifted up, I will draw people to myself. But it is a principle that keeps going. When Jesus is exalted, when Jesus is lifted high, he will draw people to himself. And that's why, you know, one of our primary ministries is to exalt and magnify and glorify and worship the Lord because He will start to draw people. Amen? As the Son sought to glorify the Father... G'day, buddy. Hey, Malachi. The Spirit seeks to glorify the Son. So when we partner with the Holy Spirit, we see Jesus exalted. When the Spirit of God is moving amongst us in worship and Kathy started to get a prophetic song happening, turn your eyes upon Jesus, He is worthy, He is worthy. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, He is worthy. When the Spirit of God starts to move amongst us and we begin to partner with the Spirit and we exalt Jesus, He starts drawing people. And that's why things are more caught than taught sometimes. We could teach on worship until the cows come home and you might still be going, or we say, you know what, let's just start worshipping Jesus. And we go, ooh. Are we going okay? Ooh, wow, look at the time. Sorry, mums. There's a returning and a, and a turning to Jesus. First love. First love. First love. 
first love. And we all need that, don't we? Thirdly, you're going to get excited about this one. The Holy Spirit is paramount. It's so important to the restoration of New Covenant Christianity. I want to tell you today, it's not the 21 steps to something. Don't go and buy a book, The 21 Steps to Something. Sorry for those people that have written books that say 21 Steps. It's not the latest trends that we need. It's not the latest trends that we need. We just, we don't need to copy what someone else is doing. We don't need the latest fad. And you see that in the church across the planet all the time. There's these little trends and these little fads that happen. We don't need that. We just need the Holy Spirit. Don't we? We need a reliance upon Him. This is what Paul said. This is what Paul said to the church in Corinth when he came amongst them. This is what he said. Ooh, too many bookmarks. When I came to you, when I came amongst you, my brothers and sisters, isn't this, I just love that. I love that principle. I came amongst you. He didn't come and go, right. He came amongst them. He was amongst these brothers and sisters and it was the grace of God that called him to be an apostle. But he was amongst the people. He wasn't up there separated. He was amongst the people. That is what true biblical Christianity leadership is about. Being amongst the people. When I came amongst you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. Ooh. I decided to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He was preaching Jesus, 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 Jesus. Man, we could start a Jesus revolution right there. I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words of wisdom. He wasn't trying to persuade them about anything, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest uh, on human wisdom, but on God's power. And I'm sorry, but your faith can't rest on me. Your faith can't rest on Stephen Furtick. Your, your faith can't rest. Can't rest on Bill Johnson or Todd White or anyone else. Your faith has to rest upon Jesus Christ. And we need the Holy Spirit. He's given gifts. It says that everyone has been given gifts. Turn to the person next to you and say, you've been given gifts. And then turn to them and say, what are you doing with them? <laughs> what are you doing with them to each one to each one to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good to each one what are we doing with it we've got to get out of consumer christianity and we've got to get into the team there's a jar down the back there our food bank needs more food that should be empty not the food bank the jar that has what's needed in the food bank 
Take one. Go to the supermarket. Buy, buy something. Bring it back. The food bank will be full and overflowing. It's simple stuff. Anyway, got distracted. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That's you and you and you and you and you and you and you. And you. That, that's us. If, if we're born again believers we've, we've, and we've received the Spirit of God, it says to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. We need the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts. Man, you could, sorry if this offends anyone, but you could probably call the book of Acts the, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led us. The Holy Spirit directed us. The Holy Spirit wouldn't let me. The Holy Spirit was poured out. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Paul said to the church in Corinthians, he says, Now may the love of the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. Are you in fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Or is he just a force? Or are you in fellowship with him? Lord, much of the church today is trying to be the church without the Holy Ghost. Is this all right? Much of the church today is... It's trying to be the church without the Holy Ghost, and it's not possible. It's actually not possible. Fear, fear has stopped so many people, but yet his love casts out all fear. I think we really need Jesus, and I think we really need the love of the Father. And I very much know we need the Holy Spirit. You see, but I'm not just talking about the power. Like, I'm not just talking about, about the miraculous. I'm not just talking about prophecy and words of knowledge and healings and miracles. I'm not just talking about that because the Holy Spirit, yes, yes, does that in us and through us. But it's also about the fruit of the Spirit. It's about character change, that our lives are changed, that I used to be this, but now I'm this. The Spirit of God has been at work in my life, and I used to, do, I used to get drunk, or I used to swear, or I used to curse, or I used to do this and this and this. But all of a sudden, you know what? I, I just don't do it. It's gone from my life. It's gone. I've, I've prayed for people over time, and I've said, do you want that gone from your life? And they said, yes. And God just did it right there in that moment. The spirit of alcoholism was, was, was gone. The spirit of suicide was gone. These things just go. So I'm talking about fruit. I'm talking about character. I'm talking about lives being changed. I've got to wrap this up, don't I? You see, the foundations of the restoration of the new covenant Christianity is the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The love of the Father, the life of the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where we base our lives, isn't it? It's a coming together of, as, the, as a people under the Godhead, afresh. It's a community. It's a community. It's God's people coming together, acknowledging the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That we need the love of the Father. We need the grace of Jesus. We need the fellowship of the Spirit. We can only go forward into the other bits that I want to share next week and the week after. 
when we stand upon this foundation. Is that amen? Where's our music team? You know, I was just reading Corinthians again during the week and I came across, you know, these verses of Scripture again that Paul says, he says, someone says, I belong to Paul and another says, I belong to Apollos. Are you not acting like just mere humans? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed and each has the role the Lord has given. I planted it, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. In 1 Corinthians 1, he puts it this way, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. Wow. That would be a good one. That there would be no divisions amongst you, and that you would be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. For it has been reported to me, my brothers and sisters, by members of Chloe's household, that there is rivalry among you. That's why we use the word household. Because that's what we read. There were, there were households of faith, but they were together in the city. What am I saying this? One of you says, I belong to Paul. And one, one says, I belong to Apollos. And the other one says, I belong to Cephas. And the other one says, I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in Paul's name? And I've said this before, and it, it, it used to, I used to scratch my head a little bit because I get that I belong to Paul or I belong to Apollos or I belong to Cephas. It's like someone says, I'm a Baptist or I'm a Presbyterian or I'm a Pentecostal or I'm a whatever. And there's all this division which just grieves the heart of God. But it always got me, the one that says, I belong to Christ. I'm thinking, what? What? Why is that in there, God? And he showed me, and I have shared this with some people, so please forgive me if you've already heard it. Because there are people out there that say, I don't need anyone else because I've got Jesus. And that also creates division. Because you don't fellowship. You go, I've just got Jesus. I've got Jesus, I'm all good. And you meet people all the time. I've got Jesus, I'm all good. And I'm going, no, 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 you're not. I've actually begun to get a bit bolder lately. When people say, no, no, I'm all good. I say, no, you're not. I said, what do you mean? I said, because you, you don't want to, you, there's nothing in you that wants to fellowship with your other brothers and sisters in Christ in any form. And I said, the love of Jesus does something in here. See, the early church, they didn't link it into a time slot between 20 and 10 and 12 and they tick their box and go, you know what, I've done, I'll see you next week. The early church would leave a gathering like this, well, not quite like this, but they'd be you know, together like this, and they'd go, right, whose place are we going to for lunch? Tom, we're going to your place? Okay, anyone wants to come to Tom, Tom and Alita's place? We'll go to Tom and Alita's. And what about tonight? Hang on, there's a barbecue at Jason and Georgie's. Okay, so tonight, tonight we're at Jason and Georgie's. And then, hey, Tomorrow, tomorrow night, 
we're going out on the street together and we're going to pray for people and we're going to love people on the street. Tuesday, Tuesday, we're going to meet at Deb's for breakfast and we're going to pray and we're going to do this. You see this, this, this one, the early church and then a whole, hang on a minute, Guy and Rosalind have got some, got some struggles. They need some provision and stuff. So you know what? We're just going to bless them. We're going to take up an offering and we're going to bless them and we're going to help them. Sounds like the early church. But I'm like, oh no, I can't. Oh no, I can't do that because I'm because I'm um, I'm uh, I'm watching TV tonight. Um, um, tomorrow I'm pretty sure I've got something on. I just can't remember what it is. We're going to sing a song to close today, and my prayer is that it's not just a song. We've sung it before. Just look at the words. Just look at the words. Because oh, these words 